Good afternoon, good morning. This is Mark Johnson from Loyalty 360. Welcome everyone back to another episode of our Leaders in Loyalty series. In this series, we talk to the vanguard of consumer-facing brands about what they're seeing and hearing on the front lines of customer channel and brand loyalty. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Don Josephson, who's the Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer of Corner Bakery. Corner Bakery is a fast, casual restaurant that serves an assortment of pastries, breads, breakfast dishes, gourmet sandwiches, homemade soups, salads, and pastas. Lots of great fare. Uh, Donna, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Sure, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your role in the organization and a little bit about your background? It'd be great to know a little bit more about you. Sure. Um, I joined Corner Bakery in September of 2017 as the CMO, and um, since joining the team, we've been really working on taking this fast casual that's been around for about 30 years and really getting it back to its original roots. So um, my past experiences in marketing, I've worked with brands. Um, I was fortunate enough to start with a brand called Chick-fil-A way back when as a local store marketer. Um, So I've got a really good foundation in restaurant brands. And once you get that um, restaurant in your blood, you know, it's hard to get, get away from it. But um, so I've worked my entire career in restaurants and uh, starting in Chick-fil-A, worked for Applebee's for a while back in the day, the heyday when we were growing 100 restaurants a year. Um, but since being with App, uh, Corner Bakery, um, we are really working to get back to our roots, um, get back to the bakery cafe roots that we are and the chef-inspired entrees that we create both for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we've also been really revamping our technology and making better consumer and user experience for our guests. And that's what we've been working on um, over the last few the last few years, actually. That's, um, that's great. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more uh, about your company? Uh, where it's uh, kind of headquartered? Kind of how many locations? Sure. I know it's been around for about 23 years, correct? Um, or, almost 30. Yeah. Uh, almost 1989. 30, okay. 1989. Yeah. So, okay. um but yeah, we're in 23 states in Washington, D.C. Um, our, our, um, we're about 184 cafes right now. Um, and so we are, like I said, an artisan or chef-inspired cuisine. Uh, we do a lot of seasonal menu offerings. We are a bakery cafe, so we've got delicious yeah. cream cakes, um, muffins, cookies, baby bunt cakes, bunt cakes. I There's a lot of different things. I haven't had lunch yet, so I may not go into all of those sweet things that we all love to eat. Uh, but we also do terrific paninis, both at breakfast and at lunch. Um, okay. Our number one selling panini on the lunch menu and dinner menu is the Pomodori panini. It is a just a delicious sandwich. Um, if there's one thing that I would recommend you get when you go, it's the Pomodori panini. But we also have okay. pastas. And a really great salad lineup. And right now we're featuring um, Beyond Beef meatballs in our pasta linguine. And we also have a meatball, Beyond Meatball panini, that's part of our LTO menu at this time. So a little bit of something for everyone, whether breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Okay, great. I know you guys just uh, revamped uh, and improved uh, your loyalty program. I'd love to know a little bit more about uh, some of the enhancements you made to the program and kind of what uh, made you uh, decide to kind of enhance the program. Sure. Yeah, this um, last summer, we finally were able to launch it on July 7th, despite the pandemic. Um, but it was something that had been in the works for a really long time. And um, we knew that it was important to revamp it. We had a loyalty program 
Um, we're a system that's made up of company and franchise locations, and that loyalty program had lived for several years just in the company cafes only. Uh, so we really needed something that the franchisees could also be proud of and that we could roll out system-wide. Um, but as we started looking at the old program, the consumers were telling us, look, this isn't exactly rewarding us. This isn't exactly what's going to, you know, create... <laughs> Uh, create our loyalty for the Corner Bakery brand. So we knew that um, by listening to our customers, we knew that our members wanted to earn rewards for ordering, but not just ordering in our cafes. We have a lot of catering customers, and some of them do more catering with us than just at the counter. So they also wanted to be rewarded for that. Um, and in addition... Uh, we knew that our customers were asking us for both rewards for their purchases. They wanted surprise and delight, but they also wanted to know exactly what the rewards would be. So um, we created a program that's tiered. Um, it's a tiered program, and you go up through the tiers similar to an airline program. Um, and then also you can redeem rewards for uh, when you order online both in our cafe, in online, sorry, um, for catering right. as well. Um, so basically for every program, for the program, for every dollar spent in cafe online in the app or in catering, you are having an opportunity to be rewarded. Um, so what does that catering piece look like? I mean, for every customer that comes in, spends 500, so catering's 500, you will get rewarded with your choice of either $25 in corner bakery cash or a $10 Amazon gift card. And that was the other part we had heard from our, our guests was that um, we're just not giving them what is relevant to them. So uh, we wanted to make sure that not only did we add value from being able to come to Corner Bakery more often, but also add value to them just in their own personal lives to help increase their, their retention with us. Okay. You talked about kind of selling it in to the franchisee. We hear a lot from the members of Bullet Through 60 mm -hmm. who have franchisee and corporate mixes where they revamp the program, right? They do a lot of research. They do a lot of uh, field studies, VOC type studies. And selling that in can be somewhat of a challenge, right? Uh, because yeah. these owner operators are very focused on efficiency and, and, and efficacy in, in the store itself. What are some challenges you had uh, with regard to kind of selling that in to the franchisee network? Well, absolutely. Um, so thanks for bringing that up. So yes, we did have some challenges bringing it in and selling it into the franchisees. Um, but so what we did with that is we brought the franchisees in on the test process. Um, I'm sorry. Can you guys? <laughs> yeah, it's here. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, dog barking. Uh, so we brought the franchisees in on the test process and we have a FAC organization, which is a franchise advisory council. And what was very helpful is bringing some of those members in as well as others and just allowing them to test the program along with us. And um, this works just not if you're doing loyalty, right? It also works if you're trying to launch a beyond meatball, um, but you bring, you bring the franchisees along and that way they can help you enhance the program. They, were able to tell us what was working in cafe, what was working for their guests and what wasn't. And so by having them involved in the entire program, instead of us trying to sell it, our franchisees were actually the advocates for the program for us. That's awesome. So that's yeah. great. So you you worked very, very hard early on like to, to get engagement and to make sure that it really drove their KPIs. 
hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, it was interesting, our system, and I think you'd find this in any system, our franchisees, you know, were very divided. Some were pushing us go faster right. while others were saying never will do, you know? So it was very good to have those franchise advocates on our side. Well, it's great that you were able to assuage the ones that had uh, the consternations, kind of move them all along. So that, that's good to hear. Right. You know, an interesting tidbit, um, if you will, is that the area of the country where the franchisees that were most um, against the program are actually where we are seeing the greatest signups. Um, I don't know if that's just karma or if it's just interesting that that's the part of the country where the guests are you know, really the most interested in the loyalty program. So it's really working out for those, for those franchisees. So that's awesome. That's interesting. That's great. Yeah. So what are some of the goals you have for your customer loyalty program going forward? I mean, how are you measuring uh, success, defining success? And you know, what are kind of the, the KPIs or visions for the program going forward? Sure. Um, so obviously the objective of our program was to increase the guest frequency and their customer lifetime value. Um, we know that to do that, we have to understand what's important to them. We have to be able to segment and personalize to increase their customer loyalty. And so, um, and, and also let me preface this by saying we have a very, for brand our size, we have a very robust e-club database, which is approximately 1.2 million. So um, we communicate very well with our consumers via that e-club database. So we know that's what they prefer. We've tried text programs um, and other programs, but the email really seems to work. So we've set some of our goals around getting the people from our e-club to register and to transfer over to loyalty. Um, you know, that's a little bit difficult since we communicate just through e-club for the for the most part to our consumers because they're like, why would I go over here? You know, what, what's the benefit when I still get what they see as discounts um, and rewards via the e-club. So we've been working on that. Um, we set some metric metrics on the percentage of e-club membership moving over. So good would be 25% in the first year. Um, better is 50% and best would be getting 75% of those moved over. Um, in the beginning of the program, we were doing pretty good. We are still not at our good 25%. I think part of that is because we continue to still grow our e-club database at the same time. So we're, okay. we're making all those efforts now, just get them into loyalty. Um, so other metrics that we have is making sure that um, what percentage total checks are coming from our loyalty program. And we have some metrics that we set there. Our goal is 30% of total checks by the end of the first year. So by July 7th of next year, we would like to see that 30% of total checks. Right now, we're at a little under 10%. So we've got a ways to go okay. as we grow the program. But, you know, we're sitting here um, end of September. It's been live since July 7th. So That's we awesome. have some time to start reaching those goals. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so what is the biggest challenge you face as a senior level marketer? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, you know, because of the time of this conversation, we are sitting here in the middle of a pandemic and we're in the thick of that now. Um, so I would say right now, just the, in this time frame, in the short term, it's the recovery period, um, how to market through 2020 and everything that has come through 2020, I would say that's one of the biggest pieces. Um, you know, we have a more streamlined team 
because of what has happened. Um, but I think what is most important and what has been highlighted and what our guests have been telling us all along is that they need convenience in their guest experience. And those brands right now that are giving convenience, whether it be through technology, whether it be through the, how the food is delivered physically to the guest are winning. Um, and so I think short-term recovery from the pandemic over the, over the next six to 12 months. And then I think long-term keeping an eye on that is also how we continue to stay ahead of servicing our guests and making the experience at Corner Bakery the most convenient for them. Um, I think that's our number one challenge okay. going forward. Yeah. And that's excellent. When you look at corporate social responsibility, it seems to be something that's more and more uh, at the fore of uh, you know, the CMOs' uh, goals and objectives today, especially you know, coming through COVID, right? They brands are much more focused on having that engagement with the customer based on you know, some reciprocity and obviously uh, being sustainable and having kind of a kind of a, a focused corporate mission can be very uh, important. You know, what does corporate social responsibility mean to you and and, and your customer loyalty efforts? Right. I think. Um, well, this is something that's always always unfolding right now at Corner Bakery, especially as we've gone back to the brand's roots. We're trying to, we've been going through a rebranding process, um, or I would say rebranding back to roots and amplification of that. And so it's something that we're constantly thinking of. Um, so first, just a little bit about Corner Bakery. Our goal is to brighten our customers' day and also to brighten the neighborhoods um, on the corners where we do business. So um, in the realm of um social responsibility, one of the things that we do is we partner with Habitat for Humanity. I think we are one of the sole restaurants that partner with Habitat for Humanity to help feed those that are building forever homes for folks um, that are in need and helping improve those communities where we are. So that's one piece of that. Okay. Um, we just recently tied donation for our guests on our online ordering so our customers are invited in to help us in our mission to improve those neighborhoods where we do business and others. And so in our quest to help raise funds for Habitat for Humanity. Um, and that's that's a lot of where we have put our, um, our, our focus so far. Um, but this is ever evolving for the brand. Okay, awesome. When you look at uh, you know, personalization, very important, mm -hmm. obviously, for the franchisees and for your customers. Where are you guys in your personalization journey? How important is that? And, and what are some of the challenges that you have or opportunities you see around getting to that true one-to-one -one paradigm? Oh, sure. Um, well, personalization is a tremendous opportunity. I think um, for those of us that have been around a while, I mean, remember, I can remember the days when it was like, you can put the name on the email. Isn't that cool? <laughs> So I think we've come a long way from you can put the name on the email. It makes it seem like it's just to them. Um, so it's a tremendous opportunity. The challenge that we have and that we're overcoming now is that, sure, we're getting a lot of data. Not all data can be tied to the person. But with the launch of our new loyalty program and all the data that is coming in, as that data becomes more and more rich around each consumer and how they're moving through our funnel, we can tell what's important to them. Um, I know some people say, oh, that's so creepy how much you, you gather. But I think if consumers have shared that I never buy a kid's meal, I don't need a kid's program, um, or kids, um, kids programs being emailed to me or part of my loyalty club, I think 
it helps us um, better give them the experience that they want from the brand. So um, that's one of the objectives objectives of our program. I think I spoke a little bit earlier about how not only do we have counter customers, as we call them, or retail customers that come into the cafe or experiences online for just individual meals, but I mean, 25 to 30% of our business is catering. And so some people who do a lot of catering, we really need to personalize and talk to them a lot differently, just like those that want kids meals and those don't. So we find that it's a very, very important piece of this puzzle and that as our data builds, it's just going to get more and more robust. Um, we are working on some programs now that are very geared towards the coffee drinker. Um, and we know, too, that when we personalize, first of all, when you personalize emails, your open rates are better. Um, when you segment, open rates are better. Um, we're seeing in our loyalty when we talk the right way to the right consumer um, the results are better um, on if, whether they're redeeming, opening, and interacting with the brand. So personalization is key to helping us increase revenue and move people um, to greater loyalty with the brand. That's awesome. You talked a little bit about data, analytics, insight, uh, as mm-hmm. you know, and as you mentioned, a lot more data sources now and creating actionability can be uh, more difficult than ever before. How are you looking at uh, data uh, and actionability and, and, and creating, you know, uh, kind of uh, more insight from the, the disparate data sets you have? Are there challenges or opportunities you have there? Yeah, always. Um, so it's very interesting. Just the sheer amount of data is overwhelming. We've been working with our IT team and our internal IT team has built some really fantastic tools for us to monitor all the things that we're doing. Um, we don't get as granular, though, as, you know, getting down to the personalization with the guests. We are able to pull some things, but not all. And I think for a period of time when I first came on board at this brand, um, I was amazed at what they were able to call through, through just our own data that we have. Um, but also, there was a period of time where it was like, there's just too much data. So what I think what's important for marketers right now is to make sure that What are the top priorities? What is it that you need to know? And what we've been focused on is what are the levers that we're pulling and how we're communicating to the guests with the limited resources that we have? How do those things um, test out? What are the results? And then going back and revamping and to help us move people through the funnel, but profitably. Um, We've learned some really exciting things and I'll share with you this you see things in the trades that talk about how, hey, if you get a guest in four times um, within 90 days of your loyalty program, they will be more loyal and some of the most loyal guests that you'll have and their more um, customer lifetime value is higher. And so then you actually do it and you prove it. And not only that, but you prove that if you can get them to visit three times in the first 30 days, it's even better than that. So I think honing in on what's important, doing a lot of test and learns with the data but not getting overwhelmed by the sheer volume of data that's out there for you to look at is is really what's important. And that's how we've sort of narrowed it down, especially during pandemic time period, is let's focus on what the priorities are in order to continue to communicate to the guest and drive them. That's awesome. What do you think the next big thing, idea, trend, technology is for customer experience and customer loyalty? So... I love the Olive Garden pasta pass. Um, like 
my, I'm going to mention a shameless plug for them. Um, the Olive Garden Pasta Pass is something that I think has been very successful for them. And I think their consumers look forward to it. And now um, a key competitor of ours is doing a coffee subscription program. I think subscription programs have done right with relevancy to the guests could be big um, and win-wins for both consumer and the brands that put them forward. Um, and then I think the cash back options that are being done on a more broader scale with multiple brands right now, um, if you think about it, the money back systems of like a Rakuten and others that are out there, um, I've always been an Amazon Prime lover and a fanatic, but the thing that has pulled me away from there is Rakuten because you can see the cash back building just for shopping where you'd like to shop. So I think there may be a play for that in the future for individual brands. Um, I think it's something worth looking at. Uh, and then of course, always new ways to add more value and more convenience for the consumer is okay. I think going to be trends of the future. Okay, that's awesome. And the last question I have, you know, as a trade association for the industry, you know, we have the brand suppliers, we meet regularly, we try to, uh, Know, push forward the industry. Are there things that we can help you with uh, in your journey to, to make things a little uh, more seamless for you? Um, I think as we're looking at things going forward, I, I've really appreciated the partners um, that we have been working with. And I appreciate the, they help us build our program as a team member of our, as an extension of our team. And I think if there's anything that I could say, the vendors that we choose to work with, um, in this space or in any space are folks that we can bring in and they really begin to act as members of our team, um, sharing with us, helping us build, giving us great advice. We're a medium sized brand. We are a very scrappy, small marketing team, and we really appreciate the expertise that's brought in from the outside. And so for us, that's, what's really important. That's awesome. Well, uh, Don, do you have any questions for, for me, for us? Anything that uh, kind of pressing on your end? No, not right now, not today. All right, well, great. Well, thank you very much for sure. taking the time today. It was great talking with you, hearing uh, a little bit more about what you guys do and how you do it, and uh, uh, appreciate the, you know, the opportunity to speak with you. Sure, thank you. Absolutely.